Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pimples Podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the Piffles Podcast. That is the Johnny McCagg Band with Here We Go. We are your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm the spark of this podcast. Wow. We're uh, we're going to suck, aren't we? If that's the spark. We're not winning anything, that's for sure. I'm making the friggin' playoffs either. Are the CFL Twitter awards still a thing? Because uh, we're not going to win that. I'm sure I could pay for some people to uh, to vote for us, though. <laughs> Shots fired. That won't be the first shot fired this week either. Let's Probably get to not. it. You can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. Give me a follow at RealAlexD. You can follow me at Sapamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Check us out on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Podcast. The Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Let's get to the opening kickoff. Uh, so we all kind of figured, yep, season's over. And that's exactly what happened this past week. Riders losing to the Stamps 32-21. I mean, you can basically take one of those touchdowns off the board since that happened with a couple seconds left. Riders officially eliminated from playoff contention. We knew it was coming, but it's still disappointing, though, isn't it? Well, they kind of hung in there, and then for like five minutes, they had a collapse, and then they just couldn't recover. It was it was a season in a nutshell in one game. That's exactly it. This that game was a perfect perfect description of the entire 2022 season. They do just enough to make you feel like there's a chance. And then they rip your heart out and stomp on it and watch the other team run away with it. It was it was what we expected. As soon as Ottawa lost, we knew we knew our season was done. And in typical rider fashion, though, they they did enough just near the end of the game to make you go, yeah, they, they may be able to pull this off. And of course they didn't, but it was just they just can't let you lose and just walk away. They they have to make you hang on to the bitter end, don't they? scripted it like wrestling pro football is scripted i thought it was uh real like pro wrestling when it turns out it's fixed like boxing <laughs> uh let's talk about mason fine getting the start and um he was fine i guess he wasn't good but i don't think he was that bad he wasn't the answer dickie was trying to pretend like he was supposed to be that was in a must-win game i don't know why why we went to him it just it still makes no sense to me it's it's like dicky just waved white white flag and goes yeah, i'm done with this season let's get out of here a hundred percent that's what it was there's no other reason why you move to your backup quarterback in a in a must-win game i mean yeah cody fajardo was what one in or two in two and eight or whatever in his last 10 starts and we hadn't been winning but you went with the unknown quantity and got exactly what you deserve this this was 100 percent the team just going what's up for next year but even the game plan made no sense they threw cody out there for what two three plays and he didn't throw the ball it was a handoff and a couple of runs like what and was, was so, that about it was so early in the game too that i started thinking that are we going to get this steven giles darian durant thing going on where they're each going to play and then like, it, it was so confusing to use Fajardo like that. It made no sense to me whatsoever. But that's kind of what the offense has been all year. It made no sense whatsoever to me. I was, and, I was just shocked. Like, when, when you roll out the first time, like, oh, was, or were they just trying to play games here? Were they just kind of making Calgary think Finer's going to play all game, give him a series or two, then roll Cody the rest of the game? Nope, one play out. <laughs> what? And then, like, next series, one play out. Like, this makes no sense. 
Yeah. Well, he wasn't the spark that they needed. I don't know if he showed enough to keep him around for next season. I mean, maybe he did as a potential third string quarterback, second string. He might still be the backup next year. I can't see him being the starter. But it's open, also- open tryouts in camp this year. That's all it is. They have they don't have anyone in, on the roster right now that's going to be starting quarterback here next year because Cody says he's trying for agency. So okay, he, he's he's a serviceable backup. You bring him back because he's going to know. Assuming we keep our offensive coordinator, he'll know the game plan and the and and the playbook and whatnot. But beyond that, nothing he did got me excited for next year. I would love for them to move on and take a look at Dolly Gala before. Uh, before the season runs out and give him a good look. But I know we're not getting that. We're going to talk about management predictions here in a little bit, but Steve, you're saying, assuming that they keep the offensive coordinator, you think Jason Moss sticks around? I don't think he gets fired. I think the only way Jason Moss is gone is if uh, somebody else takes him. As offensive coordinator, do you think he possibly gets promoted to head coach? Uh, I I think there's a shot. We we all know how Danny Machocha feels about his guys and, Jason Moss is one of his guys. I could absolutely see him uh, in over in Montreal as their head coach. Other than that, I don't see him going anywhere. And I I don't know that the game plan or the, the 2022 season can be pinned on Jason Moss. I, I just don't, I think we know it's, it's, it was a d- discipline issue. It was um, an O-line issue. I mean, yeah, his inability to stick with the run was questionable at best, but you knew that with Moss going in. You knew that's how his game plan was. So nothing they that he did would surprise uh, O'Day and, and Dickinson. I think he was exactly what they were looking for. Hmm. I don't see him sticking around. So I, I, like I don't, I'd be, if he's here next year, I'm going to be shocked. I just don't see him here. I like okay, Lady. Going quickly back to find though, one thing actually I think he did well is he was definitely looking downfield and he was throwing that ball. He actually throws a really hard ball. He had some really good passes downfield, and I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Probably since 2019. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You know when the offense actually looked good was when they were giving the ball to KSP. What have we been saying the whole season? Anytime this offense has looked good, they've been giving the ball to Keenan Schaefer Baker. Was it nice? Keep- I don't know why they keep going away from him, but that's what they seem to do. I've been saying it. Just feed him. Give him 40 targets a game. Like, this guy needs it. Like, he's the only offensive threat you guys have. Look at all the other receivers. On paper, look like a fine group of receivers. Together, they're not. I don't know what the issue is. And, again, that's that goes back to the O-line and not giving enough pass protection time. But And do you remember how we got him? Keen Schaefer-Baker? Yes. That was uh, which trade was that in the Zach Claros trade? Yes, it was. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it nice of us to absolutely waste what is probably his last year in green and white? Don't uh, give, give me some hope for next season. Don't tell me that. Oh, King Homer over here is already giving up on the twenty twenty three season. Somebody else is going to have to take over that mantle next year because I don't see any any hope. Maybe that's why I think Jason Moss sticks around. It's the doom and gloom in me. Well, next week we're going to talk about, after the, the final game in the season is officially over for the Riders, we're going to talk about the true must-keeps from this roster. And uh, number one at the top of that list for me is Keen Schaefer-Baker. But that'll be a discussion for next week. Um, just that game. You guys see that screenshot that was sent to Rob Vanstone, who uh, co-tweeted that? <laughs> the was... four offensive linemen looking for a contact lens? Oh. Yeah. And four Calgary Stampede or D linemen running at Mason fine. I mean, they were still what seven, eight yards away, but there was no rider in between four defensive linemen and the quarterback. And that right there, I think Steve, you said it on Twitter. You haven't seen an image, a screenshot of a, a season defining thing since Junior Mertile in 2015. And that's exactly what it looked like. Ole. You you can't, you cannot mentally take a picture better than what was actually on the field in that moment. Like you couldn't draw one up better. That was, that was 2022 right there in one image, no running back in sight four old linemen who have no idea what they're doing. 
and our quarterback running for their life. It's, it was beautiful. Franchise record, 71 sacks against, and there's still a game to play. Where are we going? Higher. Oh, just, just brutal. Like, I want to give the O-line a little bit of, of, you know, a break because it does take a while for O-lines to grow and, and get that continuity together. Look at the early 2000 riders. Um, it was the same thing with the defense. It was that O-line was all brand new and it took them a few years and then they finally clicked and then they became the best, best offensive line in the league for a good solid three, four years. But they had anchors on that O-line. I don't see anyone on this O-line that is an anchor that is going to be around in four or five years. Maybe Logan Furland is that guy, but I mean, he's still young and, and a little bit raw, but all the other guys can't see it happening. The the only anchor I see on this lineup is the type that's dragging us down because that's exactly what they did all year long. And I hate, you know, I don't, I don't want to crap all over a group of guys for 18 weeks, but what else do you do when you give up 71 sacks? And no matter what configuration of guys you run out there, you just... It, it's the same thing over and over and over again. I almost wished for Natai Rogers back because at least he could run block. I'm going to be a bit of an O-line apologist here. They had a lot of injuries this year. Obviously, Dan Clark being one of the big, biggest ones. They had trouble keeping the guys on the outside healthy. Like, um, So, yeah, you're right. It takes a while to get some chemistry, but also you need to be healthy, and they just didn't have have that in spades this year. Um, you look at the tackle positions, and they were both left and right tackle were terrible this entire season. And that includes, we thought getting Taron Vaughn back was going to shore up that left tackle. And of course, yes, the injuries. And even when he was healthy, he wasn't very good. You're telling me you couldn't find one offensive lineman in the world that could be better than what we had? There's not one out there that's available that would come up and be better. No American, nothing. Like, where's all this scouting money that they've been putting into from the for this team like where's that coming back and and showing dividend because it's not it it's clearly being spent scouting a halftime show for the gray cup <laughs> and we have theories on that that we'll get to in a little bit too but also you got to think though in the last couple of years especially like the young guys they brought in they've got the riders lost a few guys to early retirements just out of the blue that they weren't expecting they for some reason decided blake and um Oh God! Also in Toronto Bledek. right now, huh? Bledek. Bledek were not not a part of their plans. Like they had a good young core, and then they blew it up. And due to partially their decisions on who to sign, and partially because of retirements they never expected. Like I, I think if you add Brendan Labat and Dakota Shepley back to this lineup, it's a it it would have been a serviceable lineup, but you can't keep making excuses for changes that were made two years ago. Cause I believe uh, Blake and Bladek were, were let go after the 2019 19. season. But that's, right? that's, so what, that's what I'm talking about. They, they, the they thought they had a transition and then all of a sudden the cupboard was bare and now they're starting trying to build it again, but it takes time, especially in the Canadian spot. Like they thought Boyko was going to be something good. He wasn't. They thought Johnson was going to be good. He's obviously not. Like, there's some veer issues here. And it makes you wonder when, you're, when your general manager is a former offensive lineman, you think there wouldn't be anybody out there better at, at scouting that position than a guy who did it his entire career. But that, that's the worry here is we knew at the end of last season our offensive line needed help. And yes, Taryn Vaughn coming back, we thought that would be a part of it. But we did nothing else and expected change. Well, once again, though, is that because did he not try or did negotiations break down? Because especially when you're trying to sign veterans, some guys want money, some guys want something else. If you don't give them what they want, they're not going to sign here. It's not saying they didn't try. It's just they didn't have the right number on the right line. Well, but that's, that's the problem. They Whether they tried or not, they didn't do the job. 
they didn't put a serviceable offensive line or anything that could that resembled serviceable. Oh, I know. I'm just saying there's there's people out there who, who essentially thought O'Day went the season going, I'm good. There's no I, there's no I guarantee you no he tried in my mind. Yeah, there's no question in my mind he put offers out there. We know of a few, but there's there's a difference between putting those offers out there and then just walking away after week one going, well, we got what we got and nothing. Which is funny because he, no- he noticed right away our return game sucked and went and got Alf- uh, Mario Alford and what a difference that made. Yeah, he was fantastic all year. I truly believe Jeremy O'Day really, really thought Brendan Labatt was going to come back this year because, what was it, in February – um, all the COVID restrictions were were dropped in Saskatchewan. Perfect. Brendan Labatt didn't play last season still because on of the all suspended the list. They still think yeah. they obviously still think he's coming back. Yeah. So I truly believe that they really thought he was, and he found Brendan Labatt found time for family in the last couple of years and decided football's not for me anymore. And he's clearly not coming back. But I truly believe they really thought he was going to. And oh, okay, well we don't have to worry about. Uh, that spot in free agency, we can put Logan Furl in there for now and and groom him and maybe flip him over to right guard or whatever when Labatt comes back. I truly think that was the, the original plan. And then when that didn't happen, well, it's too damn late in free agency already. You can't really go and get anybody because everybody else that's serviceable was already signed. And you're left with the 2022 Saskatchewan Rough Riders offensive line. If that was the actual game plan and they, they were planning for Brendan Labatt's return, that makes me even more terrified for the 2023 season because there we knew, like I know Greg all last season, we talked about whether Brendan Labatt might come back and you would, you listened to his, uh, his uh, interviews and it, it never at any point sounded like he wanted to come back. He was done with football. You could... His entire career was in his rear view. You could tell by the way he talked about football. It's not, I w- I'm a football player. I was a football player, that type of thing. Like he was done. He's done. He hung it up. But you think O'Day would have had that conversation with him. Or maybe O'Day did and thought, you know, he's going to change his mind. The minute training camp's in, the guys are hitting pads. We'll bring him out. He'll get that itch again. Obviously, he doesn't want it. The only way I could find that to be a, a serviceable excuse is if he talked to Brendan Labatt and Brendan Labatt says, you know, come talk to me in April. I'm really leaning towards playing, but I, I got to see how my body's feeling or something that indicated that he was likely coming back. If there was none of that discussion and he was just pinning his entire hopes on a guy who sounded like he was done coming back. The, the organization needs to take a serious look at that GM position because that's a that's a terrible use of resources. I'm going to have to go back to the free agents list from last year, but a lot of teams actually locked up their offensive line. I couldn't believe Winnipeg signed all their guys early before the free agency last year. A lot of guys who probably the riders were eyeballing as potential free agents were wiped off the list before free agency even hit. I'm not giving that as an excuse, but I guarantee you they thought one or two would have hit the free market and they had nobody. All right. Now that's a perfect transition into our next topic here on the opening kickoff. And Steve, you said talking about who's that general manager. So let's talk about the management. Who do you guys want as management next season, 2023? And who do you think will be management in 2023? We won't talk about Craig Reynolds because with a gray cup year, I think we're all going to agree that Craig, Reynolds gets another at least year for sure because they're going to turn a profit with the Grey Cup. So let's just assume Craig Reynolds is here. Who is your GM? Probably Jeremy O'Day. Yes. Because he still has another year on his contract. And to bring in a head coach, let's assume that Dickie's gone, then it you have a you have a GM on a one year deal bringing in uh, a new coach who's not really his choice but he has to because there has to be change and what coach would want to come here basically on a one-year deal um, not knowing who the GM is going to be next year. Usually that's a package. That's a usually a two or three year package GM head coach. So starting with, with general manager and going to head coach, who's here next year. See, I, I have two ways to look at this. If you, if you remove the God awful management cap, 
I think we get a complete house cleaning after it, after what we saw on the field in 2022, I think the team looks at that and goes, no, this, this organization isn't going to do it and cleans house. But because of that cap, you get one free contract release. So you have to choose either head coach or general manager. At least with general manager, you have Paul Jones underneath Jeremy O'Day. You could move him up into that spot. And there's a lot of people that say Paul Jones is, is the best personnel man in the CFL. So there's, there's, a, there's a possibility there. But the team won't do that. For one, Jeremy O'Day is the, the, the rider legend. And two, you're, like you said, you're suddenly flipping over a, a staff with a GM that wasn't their guy. I, I don't know what they do. I don't even know what I want at this point. I'm still trying to f- come to terms with the fact that we're not going to watch the Riders in the playoffs in a Grey Cup year when we had them finishing first or second. So, I mean, maybe Jeremy O'Day was listening to our show and was like, you know what? I think we're good. I think this roster's perfect. We got this settled. Jeremy, if you are listening, come on the show so we can discuss this. And maybe it'll be an intervention. But seriously, O'Day's staying. Most GMs get at least two coaches. So, and to be honest, he got basically forced with Dickey. Like, people don't talk about this enough. Chris Jones handcuffed this team with what he did. He got everyone in extension, including himself, and then pulled the pin to go to the NFL, like, what, three days later? Yep. So they had to hire within. Like they couldn't pull anyone. They basically couldn't pull anyone from outside because that head coach couldn't do their, couldn't hire their own uh, staff. That person, that new GM, couldn't hi- hire their own coach. So, what Chris Jones like? Not not enough people talk about what Chris Jones did to this team, and it just blows my mind. So yet, yeah, Jo is going to get a second coach. Dickey was a coach of convenience, and he did very well that first year. But once again, was that be what was given to him? Like, was he machochet into that situation? Or did he actually get that team to perform? And we can talk about Cody in 2019. I'm sure we will, because that also added to this entire crap storm. So I think Dickie's gone. I think Moss is going to look at uh, the head coaching position in Montreal or even Ottawa, mind you. Because uh, he's got a history there. So I think he's gone regardless. And I don't know what you do with the rest of the staff because the rest of the staff has what? Or the, they're all one year left or they're done? Every one of them has a one year deal, including the O line coach, DC, OC, special teams coordinator, and head coach are all signed through 2023. So yeah, I I think you, you got to sign a head coach. And who that is is going to be interesting. The, the one benefit is if Jason Moss does leave for a promotion somewhere else, you're not, you're not paying out that cap spot. So suddenly you, if you fire a head coach and fire the, or, and he moves out, you're not paying a penalty. You're not taking anything away from the cap. And then you can look at, you know, your, your offensive line coach or somebody else down the line that you couldn't fire before because you have this, you know, that money that, Jason Moss is basically keeping by by leaving somewhere else. I think it all it all comes down to where he goes and what what happens underneath him. But I agree with you. Craig Dickinson is gone. I don't even know if he makes it on the plane back from Calgary this weekend. I I think it's going to be a very quick severed tie there, and it should be. They you want to be the first out of the gate or as early as you can to grab somebody down the line. I just don't, I don't know about Moss. I think Bob Dice sticks around in Ottawa. I think he finally gets his, uh, his interim title to, to stick for once. Yeah. I, I like Bobby. I do. I just don't, I hope so, but I don't know. Maybe that is, that is the eternal optimism and hope for him. He deserves it, but. He's got me blocked on Twitter, so I can't even congratulate him. <laughs> Who doesn't? I don't even know what I did to him. That's the worst part. Some I understand. This one, I have no clue. <laughs> the riders are banning a, or, uh, blocking a bunch of people on Twitter, too. That's an awful look. Um, anyway, 
They're um, for Creamer. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy O'Day stays. Craig Dickinson's gone. Um, you can pay a fine to get rid of more coaches up to what a hundred thousand dollars. It's a dollar, dollar for dollar. They'll make the money with with the Grey Cup. So clear, clear house. You'll have the money to do it up to the point where you don't lose a draft pick. I say use that as much as you can. So who do I want underneath Jeremy O'Day here for next year as a head coach? I I have I have two that I want. I think we're all on the same page on this one. I don't think we are. Really? Neither one A and one B. So I'd be perfectly okay with either one of these. One would be head coach Mark Killam. I'm there. With an offensive coordinator of uh, Mark Mueller. I'm there with you on that one. Okay, we're on the same page. And then all of a sudden, you have a quarterback who's looking for a new home. Not saying that's the total final answer here in Saskatchewan, but has familiarity with these guys. Bo Levi Mitchell. Plus Paul Jones. Paul Jones. And then you have a couple other players from Calgary that may or may not want to pop over to. You got Darnell Sankey already here. Hopefully he's back next year um, because he's just on a one year. But you keep him and and you can maybe pry a couple of the Stamps players, a couple of the receivers if you can, Um, whatever you can do there. line. (laughs) Yeah. Or... Maybe a left tackle. Um, or Buck Pierce. Oh, I never thought about Buck. Because he's, he's not getting that job in Winnipeg anytime soon. He is not getting the head coaching job there because Mike O'Shea is going to be there for quite a while as long as they keep winning. And you win three straight. He's in the Belichick-type role in Winnipeg. He is not going anywhere. And that management team is not going anywhere. So I'd love to see Buck. Who he would bring in with him as offensive coordinator, I have no idea. Um, but I'd be perfectly okay with with a young offensive mind like Buck Pierce as a head coach here. Now, I don't think any of those actually happen. I think it's going to be Kahari Jones. And that's where I, I was going to say, that's give, my one view was Kahari. I think they give him the world, and he has the history here. He won a great cup here in 2013 as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And you bring in whoever with him. Uh, if you can pry him away from Hamilton and, and promise him the world and, and he knows it's his team going forward, does he want to stay in coaching? Does he want to be in upper management like he is kind of in Hamilton? I think they just kind of pried him away just for the sake of prying him away. Uh, they they want first crack at him so no one else could sign him. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe he's the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats next year. Um, Orlando Steinau or maybe takes a step back from coaching anyway and, and just focuses on being president of football operations there. Uh, but I think it'll be Kahari Jones. And I would like it. And that'd be great for any quarterback that you do have. Cause like, like, like we said, we don't have right now a guy who looks like he can be the starting quarterback of this team. Like even if Cody comes back, you have to think it's an open competition in camp based on the last two seasons. I don't know. It's I, I like Kahari. Mark Killam is an interesting one. Everyone keeps on talking about him being the next great Canadian coach. I, anything to get Mark Mueller in into Saskatchewan would make me happy because the, the dude's awesome. So I don't know. I My, my uh, only issue with Mark Killam, there, there are two of them. One of them is a serious issue is we have, we, we didn't exactly have a ton of luck with our last, special teams coordinator jumped up into head coach. Now, Killam is obviously a guy that is being touted as that guy. You never heard anybody go, hey, I wonder if Craig Dickinson would make a great head coach until he was promoted to our head coaching role. Oh, everyone was like, Craig Dickinson head coach, what? Like that, yeah, nobody, really nobody saw was. that. A lot of us assumed it would be Shivers for a while, and then all of a sudden it's Craig Dickinson and whatever. So, I mean – I, I wouldn't mind giving Killam that shot because he does seem like he's got the, the credentials and he's got the skill to do it. My issue is I cannot look at Mark Killam and not see that guy from the league, and it terrifies me every single time. Raffi? Raffi? I can't do it. Adrian Pimento? I can't, I can't look at him and see anybody else. And the idea of Raffi as the head coach of our team is terrifying. I don't but know. Yet, Adrian Pimento is even worse. 
Um, one other name I'll just throw I'll throw out there that I would actually be quite in favor of. I, I'm not sure if he's willing to leave, but BC Lions, their offensive coordinator, Jordan Maximic. Uh, look what he did with Nathan Rourke to start this year and completely turn around. BC was god-awful the last couple of years, especially on the O-line. And look what they've done with that offense, where you have Nathan Rourke legitimately talked about as an MOP candidate and only playing 11 games or nine games, whatever he played this year. Like, that's absolutely wild to me. This guy worked with Michael Riley. Mike Riley was the, the most outstanding player with uh, Max Simic as his, as his OC and led the league in passing. So I think they have to go with an offensive name anyway. I don't, I don't think they can go with a defensive name this time. It has to be an offensive guy. Even McAdoo. <laughs> Chris Jones said, hey, we're leaving you with him. So, like, I don't know. Maybe the offense might have been better with uh, McAdoo as it's, OC. It's, it's scary to think that, isn't it? Like, that offense was actually really good despite some questionable calling. But, God, I'd give anything for that again. And I think you bring in an offensive guy because then you can keep, hopefully you can keep uh, Jordan Shiver or Jason Shivers there as well. So you could bring in an offensive guy. Your defense is taken care of. And I know they underperformed this year, but I think you, you still have to roll with them anyway. My, my only wonder about guys like Max Simic or Killam or those young guys is they're going to take a look at the roster as it sits when they get hired and go, is this where I want to take my shot? Because a lot of times guys only get one legitimate shot at head coaching. You know, you look at a guy like, um, oh my God, uh, Hamilton special team, uh, Reinbold. He got one shot. It failed. He was never looked at as a head coach again. Yeah, but special teams coordinators. That's what I'm hearing. Okay, yeah, but also, right. okay, but look, look at a guy who was in the league forever, like Greg Marshall. He didn't even last how many games. Like, <laughs> but again, yeah. he got one shot. Yeah. When he well, finally got his shot. Yeah, obviously, because did you see the shot? Oh, I, I don't disagree with it. But but for these young guys, they are they can wait out the perfect opportunity. You know, a guy like Maximic in BC, he's got, if he's got Nathan Rourke next year, he's got an open resume for, for head coaching roles down the road. Do they take that shot in Saskatchewan where – we have no legitimate QB one, no offensive line to speak of, and no idea what the plan is for next year. I wonder if that's where a guy like Kahari—not that Kahari is exactly a senior citizen—but in compared to the others, he's he's up there. He he can take that shot. He's had his first. Now he's looking for another one. Yeah, you know? there, there, there's a very famous uh, line to that: "Show me the money." It's it's amazing what arguments can be thrown out the door the minute a briefcase of money gets thrown across a boardroom table. Oh, absolutely! They walk up to Maximic or or kill him with an open checkbook or a blank check. Yeah, you're you're gonna get a better shot at signing them. I just wonder if the roster as it sits might be a, a deterrent for some of those young up and comers. Yeah, but you throw that on your resume and you turn that team around a la Henry Burris. Yeah. Um, then That's who we need, Henry that looks, Burris. That looks so much big. Hey, pe people in Ottawa are talking about bringing him back as their head, as their head coach. So, I don't know. Maybe. The good news is it's going to be an interesting offseason. We know it's going to be Great one company. of those offseasons where things happen constantly. So, it's that'll be nice at least. It's going to be Grey Cup week that this all starts happening. Yep. Once the, the moratorium on, on hirings is lifted. And let the rumors go here in Regina because they're they're cool. gonna be running ramps. It's gonna be great. Cup what 2015, uh 2015. Everyone was talking about Grace Chris Jones, Jones coming to Saskatchewan. Like they haven't even played the game yet, and he was already signed, sealed, and delivered to Saskatchewan. Like well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty. Let's jump to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Um one more little rider note here. Um, Jeff Hamilton, Winnipeg <laughs> Blue Bombers beat writer. Um, he was having some fun on Twitter this past week with uh, uh, voice of the riders, Michael well, Ball. Uh, Self-proclaimed voice of the riders, Michael Ball. The riders have never actually uh, called him that. Not once. Um, or even, even, even acknowledged his hiring. 
yeah, that's a completely different uh, um, episode of this podcast that uh, one day may or may not come out. Um, we're recording. So I don't care. We're recording it. I don't care. We're record. I don't care if it goes out. We're recording it. Uh, so Jeff Hamilton uh, with the Winnipeg Free Press tweets out that the Riders missing the playoffs in a home Grey Cup year should humble the organization and said basically that they're the most difficult team to deal with. He is not wrong with not. any of that. My the Riders are the hardest team to deal with. They think they're, you know what, doesn't stink. And they're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Why wouldn't you want, you know, we, we make all this money. Okay, cool. But yeah, that sure looks kind of, you know, when a season like this happens, that ego deflates very quickly. So yeah, I agree with him that this year should humble them and make them look at their model um, of what they're doing both on and off the field. Ballsy jumps in there, defends the team. Um, Which is priceless. Um, basically, my favorite part was that he said he gets, uh, they're, they're not hard to get a hold of. I get the coach on my show every week. Um, hey, Ballsy. It, it, it's good It's good to be the uh, official broadcaster of the writers. Yeah, do you realize how contracts work where uh, he is contractually obligated to show up on your show every Monday? Uh, uh, actually, safe to say, with. I don't think Ballsy understands that, actually. He thinks him and Craig are probably best friends. Yeah, so uh, I don't think uh, that's the argument that you should be going with. Um, but I can also confirm that dealing with the riders is a pain in the ass. <laughs> it really, truly is. Um, and some of the people, the people that work there are, are fantastic humans. Um, but I think it goes a lot higher than the people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. The, so the- I think it comes from up top. Um, and I'm 100% with Jeff Hamilton on this. Uh, that I hope it humbles them and kind of drops them down a peg on their board um, as to where they think they are in the public eye and what they need to do to get back to being that flagship uh, franchise. Because right now, they're not that flagship franchise anymore. I would argue they're not even the second best franchise in the CFL right now. I would say they're third. We know firsthand how difficult this organization has is to deal with. And you're right. It's not an individual person by person thing. It is an organizational problem. It's, it's that idea that they're, they're better than the CFL almost is how it, how it comes across. We've had better luck dealing with pretty much every team in this league and the CFL themselves. I was going to say, we we have better connections with the CFL than we do the own team that we pretty much exclusively cover. And, and that's from a, a group whose entire existence is we exist only to promote the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That, that is what we do, and we have trouble. The, some, somewhere along the way over the last decade or so, this organization has gone from a community-run organization where they are a community team, and you get that feeling, to a business model. And I think... It flipped the moment Jim Hobson left this team. There it is. That's what I was going to say. It coincides with Jim Hobson leaving. He was he was a guy who realized what the team meant to the city, to the province, and to the league as a whole, and seemed to work well with, with the fans. Whereas Craig Reynolds and, and company seemed to think of this team as, as an ATM. And I realized that's his job. His job is to make money. But from an organizational standpoint, something needs to change. And I hope Jeff Hamilton is right that this does make them look at how they manage the business itself and how they handle, you know, even just the, the, we we hire on it every year, the season ticket package where we get a shoelace or, you know, a lanyard or this year, nothing at all. They've taken the fans and the, the resources for granted because they think we're always going to be there. And I don't think that's going to be the case going forwards. If, if the play on the field continues, I, you're not wrong about the switch, but let's also be very blunt as much as Hoppy's public persona was the smiling grandpa and the shake everybody's hand. And you guys all rider fans, the dude was an absolute killer behind the scenes. Like some of the stuff that he did business wise 
is similar stuff that Reynolds does now, except Reynolds does not have the public persona or the face of the franchise. And that's why I said a lot, kind of was alluding to last week when I said they need to bring in that guy to be the public face of the riders to maybe soften the edges. Cause yes, Craig Reynolds is very good at making this team money. He was CFO under uh, Jim Hobson. And that's why he got the CEO job. The dude is really good at making sure this team makes money. So that's why he's not going anywhere, but I still think you need that public persona, be it even, a, even though he has no tie to the team, like bring in a Danny McManus to be your president or somebody, even an old player, I don't care who, but somebody to be the guy walking alongside, along the sidelines, shaking hands and just doing that kind of stuff. Cause Craig Reynolds ain't it. Belton Johnson. He can have barbecues all the time. Oh, <laughs> Belton's barbecue outside the stadium. Are you kidding me? Uh, why do you think that Mark Cohan was regarded as one of the best commissioners of the CFL? Cause he was out there in the public. Everybody knew who he was. You line up Craig Reynolds and, and Joe Blow on a wall. I guarantee you more than half of Ryder fans couldn't tell you who this, who the president of the team was. They have I, no clue. But I had to laugh. Because he was out there. And what? that goes to your point that, yeah, they need to have that guy that's out there. Craig isn't that guy that's going to be out there. He's he's quiet. He's a reserved kind of guy, which is perfectly fine. And and like you said, he's making money for the team. And that's exactly what he's going to do. Got to do something, though. I had a lot. They show, when him and O'Day were in the press, in the rider's box and they kept on showing it this weekend he's wearing that pink toque i didn't even recognize who he was until like the fourth time they showed him and i see i see craig Reynolds all the time like i know who he is i can recognize him on the street but even then i'm like who the hell is that guy in the box the only way i know it's craig reynolds on the field when they're doing those those handshakes and, and interviews is when the video is awkward because it, it seems like every time he <laughs> and like not to knock the guy, he, he's an accountant. That's like he's great at what he does. But every time they they try to put him out in public, it it just doesn't it doesn't resonate. It doesn't work. They need somebody to to be that middle guy. And I don't even like like you said. I don't care who it is. the The writers organization has a ton of personable alumni they could look to that could fill that role, where the only job is to be the guy out there you know shaking babies and smiling or what is it yeah, <laughs> shaking babies. Babies. They shake yeah, babies, babies right like shake shaking hands kissing and kissing hands. babies right like th- that's all they need is they need somebody out there who understands rider nation so that craig net reynolds can do what he does well and make a boatload of money honestly the guy that they, if he was still in regina would be don narcissus Absolutely. Everyone loves narco. Literally the dude's a natural salesman because he could sell and you put him in front of a camera, you put him out in the field. He's your, he's your full-time cheerleader. And his, his play on the field was all about persona. His career afterwards was all about that public persona. He is, you're right. He'd be perfect for that job. You know, obviously he's back home in, in, is it Texas? Texas. 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 You know, but, Maybe that's a guy you call to say, "Hey, you know, want to live in Regina for six months?" Is doing, but what's that? Want to live in Regina for six months? Right? Like they got to find something because, as it stands right now, what they're doing is not working, and it's going to continue to alienate fans. Uh, one person who I think would be wonderful for it, even though I'd prefer myself for it to be a slightly younger person, I think Roger Aldag would be fantastic at that. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who gets Saskatchewan, who understands Ryder fans. He grew up a Ryder fan from Gull Lake. That's the guy who I would have. Another one, Scott Schultz. He doesn't want to do any kind of media, though. He doesn't want to be out there anymore. Schultz was never a media guy. No. That's fair. He would be be fantastic because he's such a character. And, and, uh, I mean, growing up in Moose Jaw knows, again, knows Saskatchewan very well. So he would be great, but he's just, that's not what he wants to do. Um, still no great cup halftime announcement, which, uh, leads me to believe that they don't have one. Um, I'm there I, with you. I'm starting to really, really lean that way that they had maybe a handshake deal, uh, in place or had a deal in place. And that fell through for whatever reason, whether it was like a Sean Mendez, who I've been touting all along. I really thought it was going to be Nickelback 
just coinciding with their album and whatnot. That's not going to be the case. I don't know who they're going to bring out here because I really think they're scrambling. I think they had somebody in place. That person canceled on them within the last month or two, and they're absolutely scrambling. And I don't think they have anybody in place because, I mean, you have to announce it before the playoffs, right? Like we're just under a month till the Grey Cup. This upcoming week has four games that mean literally nothing in the standings. None of these games mean anything. I don't think a lot of fans are going to be paying attention this week. They don't care because it doesn't mean anything. It's pre four preseason games. You have to announce it this week to actually get people to watch these stupid games that nobody wants to watch now. I've I've heard a rumor, and I should have mentioned this in our group uh, beforehand, but I've heard a rumor that there is an announcement tomorrow. I don't know if it's if it's Grey Cup related or sorry, halftime show related, but I've been I I've been led to believe there's something coming tomorrow. Now it's easy for me to say. Should this. I be seated? Because the last time I was told I was be seated, <laughs> it was the Hunter Brothers pre uh, tailgate. So, so you mean you're saying this on Wednesday night? So you mean for yeah. Thursday, Steve? Yes. Now I don't I don't know if it's if it's halftime related, and I don't know if they've got anybody booked. Just I've I've heard that there's something coming tomorrow Thursday morning. Now this will be out likely after that whatever that announcement is if it's happening. But like you said, this, this is will be up by Wednesday midnight. Night, but the so. fact of the matter is that people won't listen until till after. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear this Thursday and something's already happened, you heard it here first, afterwards. Man, that Jess Mosswood <laughs> concert halftime is going to be great. Oh, uh, What would be more Saskatchewan than the Sheepdogs, Dead South? And... Well, sheep, Sheepdogs are already booked. Oh, right, yes. Every, keep, everyone I... has been – this entire week on Twitter has been amazing. Everyone has been a like super sleuth trying to figure out what bands are booked and what bands aren't. It so is priceless. I, I want to give a shout out to CFL oh, Reddit. Reddit. That was great. The number of people who actually believed that the Wiggles were announced as the halftime show was phenomenal. They kudos to the guy who runs that account because the number of times I saw in different Facebook groups, did, did the Wiggles get announced? Is that serious? Was like it was perfect. That was that was Greg doing his April Fool's Day. Jersey no, that that was me. Good. That was me doing the uh, Cody Fajardo feelings get, uh, image that people bit on too. <laughs> like, but the fact that people thought the Wiggles were a legitimate announcement is is telling you where the public sits right now. They don't even care who it is at this point. They just want a name out there. And also, so if it's all... the Wiggles and my kids aren't there, I'm I'm never going to hear the end of it. Or at least the youngest one. I don't think the older two care about uh, the Wiggles at this point. But Parker might lose it on me if I don't bring him to the game. Yeah, people just want to know who it is so that they can uh, crap. Don't complain. All, yeah, so um, they can complain about I, it. I mean, I like the idea of uh, the offspring since they're in Saskatoon the night before. They're in. They have an off day on Grey Cup Sunday, and then they're in Edmonton the next day. So I think that'd be fantastic. That'd be, awesome. um, That'd be great. It, it'd piss I, off every night. Notice how I use the term classic CFL fan. I didn't say yeah. old. Yes. Yeah. It, they'll hate it. I'll love it. Yeah. I, I would it. love it. I just can't see it happening. I got into an argument with somebody on one of those Facebook groups because they complained that the, the halftime show is going to be somebody that nobody's ever heard of, just like the rest of the halftime shows. And when I listed out some of the names like Follow Boy, the Arkells, Alessia Cara, uh, Nickelback, Fa- Shania um, Twain, uh, like I listed ten of the big names from the last twenty years, and they responded back with, "See, and I don't know who half of those people are." We had the and Black like, Eyed Peas are... from the Super Bowl, dude. Yeah, I'm like, you are not the demographic they are looking for. They have your money. They have your tickets. If you don't know who Follow Boy or the Arkells or Nickelback are. You are not going to like a Grey Cup halftime show until your death. Because it's going to be young acts going forwards. Because that's the, that's the demographic they want. Although, obviously, Offspring isn't a... That would be that would be our generation, not that we're old. But that that's hitting that, that 30 to 50 uh, market real good. And I would kill for that since we missed out on a Offspring show during during the pandemic. Yeah, way to cancel on Regina and then re-announce your tour and go to Saskatoon, you bunch of jerks. 
It's gonna be Blink 182 again. <laughs> well, I'm going to Calgary to go see Blink 182. I'm excited about that. Um, kind of going transitioning into a rant of the week, Greg. You, we want to go back in time a little bit to 2019. Oh, at the time, make me do it. <laughs> yes, uh, you said you wanted to do it, so we're gonna do it. Right. Um, did the Riders make the right move by trading Zach Claros? Yes. And sticking with Cody Fajardo? At the time, yes. But, Greg, you're seeing something, even now this week, that's bringing up there, a little fire under you. There's – you guys ever seen the show Drunk History? No. There's a, there's a lot of people right now that are doing that, thinking that just because Zach Caleros has is possibly on a three-peat with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that the Riders – knew better and they made the wrong decision going with Cody. Zach was on what is his fourth concussion second in two years at that point? That they know about. That they knew about. Cody Fajardo was leading the league in passing. Um he was on his way to a most outstanding player nomination. No one knew if Cody uh, if Zach Caleros was ever going to play again. So they traded him for what turned out to be Keon Schaefer Baker. They got something for a player they thought may never play again. And now because Toronto traded Zach to Winnipeg and it worked out very, very good for Winnipeg. I would like to point out if Matt Nichols didn't get hurt, they probably never would have made that move. So, but there's a lot of people out there right now, like rewriting history, saying the writers gave up too soon on Zach or they weren't fair to Zach. And I'm like, if Cody Vajardo was playing like he was now, I guarantee you the writers would have rushed Zach out as soon as they thought he was available to play. They never would have traded him. So you can't tell me after the fact, in hindsight, hindsight is always 2020, that you weren't pushing for that move back then. You weren't cheering it on because I guarantee you were. And now to go, oh, yeah, Cody's treated unfairly. This is exactly what they did to Zach Calero. So I'm like, what? No. Zach was hurt. No one knew if he was going to play again. Cody was leading the league. Cody's not leading the league, and Zach is healthy. That's the difference right now. Probably the best thing for Zach was Cody playing well so he could actually get healthy and not be rushed back to play. So this is honestly, this is uh, the Bombers being good is is, uh, Cody Fajardo's fault. And so, yeah. If if we could Biff Tan and Marty McFly our roster and and know Sports everything Almanac? that's going to happen down the line, the Riders would win the Grey Cup every year. I don't think there's a single person alive who who looked at that trade from Toronto to Winnipeg and said, you know what, that's the move that wins Winnipeg a Grey Cup for the first time in thirty years. No, we all laughed at them for signing a head case. Did it work out? Absolutely. And good for Zach, good for the Bombers, but you can't you can't base a decision off of what you know two years in the future. That life doesn't work that way. I'd be sitting on a mansion on, on South Beach because I've won the lottery four times. Like y- you gotta you gotta stop. I wish Cody played every season like he did in twenty nineteen. I, I to this day I can't understand the difference between well the offensive line in twenty nineteen was a lot better. But the other difference though between twenty nineteen and now, Cody's not the same player. Be it injury, be it offensive line, be it whatever. The writers thought they had their franchise guy. Doesn't appear that it, that's Cody anymore. You can't fault them for that decision. They made the decision with the information they had at the time. Should they have made him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league? They probably should have done a bridge contract, but what do you do? Given given how he performed in 2019, it was it was pay up or shut up. You if you don't pay Cody Fajardo, somebody else was going to, and everybody and their dog wanted to keep Jesus Sprinkles. Like we that he was the guy. That's he was fault. exactly the type of person that that would that you wanted in Rider Nation. He had a personality. He he was he was fun. He could throw the ball. He was exciting to watch. And then 2021 happened. And then this year with the comments he makes in the media, you know, there, there's been a complete flip on 
how Rider Nation sees Cody Fajardo, but I don't think there's a single Rider fan who looks back on that contract signing after 2019 and goes, you know, I don't think we should have signed him at that at that moment in time. All right. Well, that leads us into our enemy preview for this week, the final game of the regular season. Uh, and it actually is the final game of the regular season, the Riders at the Stamps uh, in a meaningless regular season game. So they the standings. win. So it's, a pre- it's essentially a, a bonus preseason game. So, I mean, if I'm the coach, if I'm Craig Dickinson, I mean, I'm playing all the rookies, uh, all the practice roster guys, see who's worth trying to keep around. But you also kind of want to win to keep your job for next year, if possible. So I really don't know what to expect out of this team. I think they'll play their starters for the first half anyway, and then move in some backups in the second half. Um, I can't see Cody Fajardo getting in for two or three plays. I think he's done. Uh, it'll be Mason Fine getting the first half and probably Dola Gala getting the full second half. That's what I would do. Um, what do you guys think? Like, what should they be doing in this game? Jester Wayo is apparently practicing with the ones, so they're going to give him a shot. He, he looked good, really good in uh, preseason and then got cut for some reason. So For Jacob Prawl. <laughs> Whatever happened down. to him again? Oh, right. Um, I don't know. Like, I'd be shocked if they put Cody out there, but it could also be something Dickie does to give him his swan song. I have no idea. We we haven't had to deal with games like this since our first season doing this podcast. I don't remember the last time we had a meaningless game because our season was over. I don't I don't like this. It, there there's there's no enjoyment in this. We need to go chat with the guys from the Ottawa Red Blacks podcast to see how they handle this on a on a consistent basis. Janine, help. Like what do you what do you do? I I just I can't get excited about uh like you said a glorified preseason game. You you gotta play whoever you can, see what you've got, and hope hope the old line can do enough that players survive. That's really all there is to it. Don't get hurt. No serious injuries. You don't want to see what happened to Mike Adam. I don't I don't want to see any moments like that. Other than that. I just I I can't bring myself to care, which sucks. Hey, I've been in full thunder mode for like three weeks now, so it doesn't matter. Here's what you do. Once Bo Levi Mitchell gets in the game for Calgary, because they're gonna give him reps in this game. I think they kind of have to. Um, you don't want Jake Mayer getting hurt in a meaningless game going into the playoffs. Um, but that's also why you didn't trade Bo Levi Mitchell. You have him as the as the insurance going into the playoffs. You probably play them each at a half, maybe Mayor only the first quarter, and then you have Bo come in for a little bit. Maybe even what's it, Tommy Stevens? Their third string. Stevens, yeah, their short yards. You probably let him play the second half. But whenever Bo's in there, hey defense, maybe make him look a little bit good right now, so that uh, he actually wants to come here and we can sign him. Put put him down with a pillow. Make sure you get the pillow down nicely. Set him down. Rock him if you have to. That would that would also assume that they get pressure on. The quarterback and this yeah, D line hasn't gonna get pressure in about hey, ten games. Hey, Anthony so. Lanier is back to practice. I want to see him absolutely mess up the middle of the line just so we can shut up all the people who talk about the Garrett Garrett Marino release. Because that's we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. He's been what's what's missing on that D line. I wanna I wanna see that in action just so we can come back and, and go see, stop it. Beyond that. I don't know. Yeah. I've been in Estevan quite a bit now, and I think Garrett Marino was was the straw that stirred the drink here. <laughs> um, hot shots. Um, I would love to see just the players actually – body language matters to me in this game. <laughs> this isn't about winning or losing. I could care less whether they win or lose this game. They're probably going to lose. Whatever. I want to see guys that are in it body language they're involved in the game plan they're not just shoulders slumped and just putting in the motions going through a game i want to see guys that want to be out there it doesn't matter to me who it is i want to see some guys out there that look like they give a damn because the last 10 12 weeks they haven't given a damn and they stopped playing for their coach a long time ago so i hope they figure it out for one game just to 
not play for their coach, play for themselves. Because a lot of these guys are playing for jobs next year. And when you look at a 6-12 and 12 team, which is, or a, maybe a 7-11 and 11 team, is there a lot of guys that other teams are going to be looking at? Probably not. They're clearly not a good team. So why would I want to bring these guys in? There's going to be a handful, sure. But as a whole, no. So I want to see guys go out there and just give it their all. Whether they succeed or fail, I don't care. I want to see them go out and care. That's what I'd love to see this game. So with that, four meaningless games that we don't really care about. Time to make our picks. Uh, glad I'm not playing fantasy football in the CFL because this week would be an absolute crapshoot. Um, BC at Winnipeg with Nathan Rourke starting. Uh, Going to probably get the first quarter for the BC Lions. Easy. BC. Yep, BC. Uh, Montreal at Toronto. Let's go Toronto. Why not? I can't pick time. Toronto. I think Montreal has more to play for in this game in the sense that just in the head case, like the, the, respect. the mentals. Well, they, they want to prove that they can go into Toronto and beat them, which is what they would have to do to get to the Grey Cup. So... I think they'll actually play their starters a lot longer than Toronto will, and they'll actually care a little bit more. So Montreal, uh, Hamilton at Ottawa, home game for Ottawa. So that means Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> Hamilton. Hamilton by forty-seven. I like to point out Edmonton can't play at home this week, but they still lose. Good for them for ending their season week early, getting that nice early buy or that late buy week, and uh, just ending the season early. And finally, uh, Saskatchewan at Calgary. This is the one they're going to win. They're going to do it just to piss. Like they're just going to do it just to piss us off. Like they they could have won last week and kind of gave us hope to maybe, maybe we can make the playoffs. But no, they're going to win this one just to really drive that screwdriver right between our temples. They're gonna, they're going to win on the back of four Mario Alfred return touchdowns. We're going to have more yeah. Mario Alfred return touchdowns than first downs. They shouldn't win, but I have this weird feeling that they're actually going to win, uh, probably for the reasons that Greg listed, just to just mess with us. Give give us a little hope leading into next season. Only for something to happen in Grey Cup week to rip that hope away, because that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders franchise in a nutshell. Saskatchewan way. Yep. Rider Nation, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> well, that'll do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. One quick, one um, quick thing. Sunday, yes. Hilltops and Thunder, Mosaic Stadium, PFC Final. It's gonna be nuts. I can't wait. One o'clock, and, and the winner gets to host the Canadian Bowl as well, too, against probably the Okanagan Sun. Uh, it's uh, the Saint Clair Saints and the Okanagan Sun in the other one. So. Uh, and Okanagan has been just destroyed. Okanagan won 38 nothing in the BC final. Yeah, they've always been a strong team. Yeah, so it's, yeah, Canada Bowl on November 13th weekend. It's going to be fun. So hopefully, and yeah. hopefully it's the Thunder. And uh, Thunder have uh, looked really good this year. And 390 almost- yards on the ground yeah. by Ry- Rylan Likert. Suck it, Andrew Harris. Oh, it's so good. I, I was so happy when I found out that he broke a Harris record. I'm like, good, take that. But for whatever reason, they can't uh, can't beat Sarge in the final when it matters. So uh, hopefully, this is the year. If you're a Thunder fan, anyway, yeah. uh, that this is the year that they can that they can do it. But it should be one hell of a game. I think it's supposed to be like plus ten or plus eleven. Plus eleven. They're calling for plus eleven. It's going to be way yeah. different than last week, where we had to shovel the uh, field off for two uh, and delay the game for two hours. That was wild. Were you out there shoveling, Greg? Uh, no, fortunately, my son had hockey, so I was at hockey while everyone else was shoveling off the field. What Which actually was good, because I, I was supposed to be late to the game, and I got there on time. <laughs> so go check that out, and uh, if you can't make it out there, watch it on TV, because it will be on uh, should be on Access. Uh, we'll be on Access, um, and uh, see JFLTV.com if you want to pay the $20 to watch the game. Worth it for this one. Well, that's the Piffles Podcast. Of course, it's brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. 
Special thanks as well go to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and Kurt Angle for making their show possible. Piffle's podcast, you always laugh. It's always out of the blue. It's always out of the blue. I always forget you thank Kurt Angle. Uh, Piffle's podcast is a proud member of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. Not saying this week. Award-winning Tyler Gilbert. Uh, Award-winning. Right. You got the Piffles bump. Uh, I thought he survived us and he just did better with us. <laughs> All right. A little of column A, a lot of column B. Okay, now we're done. Listen to Ghost Behind Your Mind, people. The Ghost Behind Your Mind.